Hello and welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast. This is episode 263, and I am your host, Vince. How are you? I hope you're doing well. This recording is taking place a little later than it, than it should, than it usually does, uh, and that's for a myriad of reasons, which I'll get into in a little bit, but I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, if you'd like to support the show in any which way, there is a link to the Patreon below. This week we have Captain Lennox with us, who is in the live studio audience. If you'd like the show, there is the live studio audience tier, where you get to watch these episodes get recorded live. You get an experience very different from the YouTube version or the audio version on your favorite podcatcher. But hey, even if you're just here to be here, I appreciate you and I love you. So... Um, like I said previously, I'm a little late to this recording, and the lore that I have, not that it's anybody's fault or anything, but the lore that I have is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, and it's, normally I kind of just go down, I read through the wiki, maybe I'll reference a video or two, maybe I'll even, if I got a lot of time, I'll hop in the game and reacquaint myself with something from, from Fallout 3 or New Vegas or 4 or what have you, just to kind of get a feel for it, um, See if there's little things that I could that I could suss out that aren't exactly screaming at you from a wiki or a YouTube video. Also, I think there's just something to to feel when you're in the moment. And I was trying to think of a way to make this uh, to make this alliterated. The constant quest for one's cranial care or something. You know, you just have to be nice to yourself. And I recently got back from the gathering of the juggalos, which I'm I'm making a video on and I'm, I'm promising this so I have to get it done because I didn't promise another video that I was working on right before my computer was starting to act up my laptop was starting to act up and it, it's I've been sitting on the footage for well over a year at this point so I'm working on this video as soon as I get my laptop back I can really start formatting stuff together and I had a great time there and I got to uh I got to meet very briefly someone that I've known about and someone that I've seen online and someone who I've been following for a while. I got a picture with him and I talked about it last week during my, my gathering talk. It was Clownvis, King of the Clowns. And I put on Clownvis' stream and of course he streams on Wednesdays when I record. He record, he starts at 8. I start at 8.30 so I put it on in the background and I felt like a baby watching Coco Melon, man. Like, I felt, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you guys ever saw them or remember them. There was memes for a while of, like, if you have a baby in the house, put on Cocomelon and watch how fast they run over. Like, that's, I was transfixed, man. Just, and I was listening to the album that I bought at work. I bought his uh, Clownvis to the Rescue soundtrack, which is just songs from his live streams that he uses. And I was absolutely just, listened to it at work, just totally transfixed man just like i this one song the universe is just this optimistic banger and like i don't i don't know about anybody else and i'm trying to not get like too you know third segmenty in the first segment but i'm very much i don't get like seasonal depression in the winter i feel like i get it in the summer i feel like there's spikes but i feel like i get it more in the summer like it's i'm more prone in the summer to get it than i am in the winter months I don't know, I'm listening to The Universe by Clownvis, and I'm just smiling. And, like, the, the last line of the song is, The universe may be forever, but it starts with you and I. You and I or you and me, but still. Like, and then I'm watching the stream, and it's just... 
it's just silly for the sake of being silly. Like, when was the last time you just did something that was silly for the sake of being silly? I'm watching a man who's dressed up like half Elvis, half clown. And I'm just, he's like, he's got, I forget the one robot's name. It's like, it's like two names. It's like Brianna and Bianca put together 95. And like, it's obviously somebody else is working with him on this thing. And like, it's a lot of moving parts. And as someone who makes, who makes content, and who edits and stuff, and I'm watching this, and I'm going, you put, there's so much work in the squeeb, this little alien man, I'm sorry, his name's Steve, I'm, I'm writing the lore, and I realize that it's like, oh, a minute's gone by, I haven't done anything, Ten, two minutes has gone by, five minutes, and I'm just like, sitting back watching, I'm like, D- I, I need to relax, <laughs> I need to just sit back and relax, like, I, I'm, I have a, I have a regular weekend coming up, uh, and normally I do four days, a week at 10 hours each. And then I have the fifth day I go in for overtime just to get a little extra scratch. But my God, I'm going to enjoy this Friday that I have very, 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 very much. So I just, if I, I hope you find something silly for the sake of being silly. Like, I hope you find something that allows you to just be goofy. Just, just, just clown it up. But I want to get into this week's lore. Before I can even get into this week's lore, I have to thank the Patreon. Now, like I said earlier in the program, we d- I do have a Patreon, and there are tiers to it. And at the $1 tier, your voice gets heard choosing this week's lore. At the $10 tier, your voice gets heard choosing this week's lore. And you get to be, in- you get to be a part of the live studio audience where you can listen to these episodes, get recorded live, and... You could change your pledge at any time. I'm not upset if you don't give, and I'm not upset if you change your tier. I'm just happy that somebody, anybody, wants to listen. But there are some names that I have to thank, and starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. And last but certainly not least, part of the live studio audience i have to thank captain lennox thank you and thank you for being here my good man because of you guys the show continues to grow and get a little bit bigger and a little bit better every single week so every week like i previously just stated i go into the patreon and i and i ask a poll and i really wanted to talk about new vegas this week so i asked about two different groups of people, two tribes, two factions from New Vegas. And I believe the way I put it was the ones who bring about death with laser and plasma and the others that bring about explosions from the sky. So if you'd like to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, make sure you're you're in the Patreon because even at the $1 tier, your voice gets heard in this week's and every week's lore choice. And by way of Patreon, this week's lore is on the Boomers from Fallout New Vegas. By the time of 2281, the Boomers are a tribe of ex-vault dwellers who live in complete, pretty much complete, isolation. The Boomers' identity as being an entity in Fallout goes as far back as the Fallout Bible. A lot of people, at least on the Fallout Wiki, and I get all my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukipedia, if you will, at least on there, they don't consider the Fallout Bible to be canon. 
It was written by the original creators, and as far as I'm concerned, the Fallout Bible is canon. I think to change anything out of there is borderline sacrilege, but that's just my opinion. In the Fallout Bible, it says, Vault 34, the armory was overstocked with weapons and not given a lock. That's as brief as a description and as, as it's given, but even as early as 96, 97, 95, 96, 97, Vault 34, the idea was put out into the world. The culture of Vault 34 is that of gun nuts. Gun nuts, they're incredibly obsessed with guns. Sometime in the early 23rd century, the population of Vault 34 ballooned, and the overseer wanted to combat this with population control and locking up the weapons. And this caused a mutiny. Now, I think it's fun to look through Vault 34, which was written in 2009 for a 2010 game, was written so it's through that lens but it is very much it is very much a thing that you can see about today you, you you can see it at least in american culture where people are so they love they love their guns more than they love the safety of their children and i think it's really really interesting to see a, a community that essentially was just all about this one thing that is guns that is weapons and seemed like it was pretty successful up until the overseer was like hey we have to combat this in some manner this causing the mutiny this hey i'm gonna try to control population and you also don't have access to any guns this causes the mutiny and they attack the armory and leave the vault and this then dooms the vault for anybody who's left behind by 2231 at some point they leave the vault and destroy anyone who came across them now they took weapons with him i'm gonna read a little bit from pete i'll be going back in a minute and reading a little bit of what pete has to say he's the one who gives you the tour of the history of the boomers and and he he says very very straightforward that it was 43.6 hostiles were dealt with before one boomer was taken when they left the vault they took everything with them they took big guns small guns knives uh, just 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 anything they can get their hands on except for one gun that if you go back to 34 you can get the all-american there's a bunch of weapons there but there's one just beautiful piece of machinery that you can get your hands on they took as much stuff as they could take part of what pete talks about when he teaches you in, in the schoolhouse of what the boomer's history is is that anytime a raider would approach them any sort of knuckle dragger some illiterate drug addict would just come up to them and try to threaten them they had miniguns they had rocket launchers they had grenades they had things that people just didn't comprehend were out there other than sticks and twigs and bb guns and slingshots with with marbles and wads of hard gum in them now, Nellis Air Force Base is what, what eventually they, they find. There's a massive Air Force Base outside of Vegas, the Nellis Air Force Base. Many of the nukes that actually hit Vegas landed here. Most people and animals thought it was too dangerous and made the entirety of the base unusable. And humans and animals alike, like almost out of habit, just avoid the base. The boomers locate the base and equipped with Geiger counters, they found that the base was pretty much safe and restored it back to its original functioning state. Once the base was theirs, they noticed that the base was not as safe as they'd liked it to be and they wanted to remain isolationists. A two-week expedition 
was set to go to Area 2. Area 2 is mentioned in name only, but it's an area that had, that had howitzer cannons and ammunition for the howitzer cannons. Pretty much what the boomers use to attack you as you approach the gate, because they don't want anyone within a mile radius to be able to come in. They would have been absolutely obliterated. And because of this, because of their isolationist behavior, because of the idea that the only people you need is yourself to rely on and you can thrive in the wasteland, they thrive in the wasteland. They grew their own crops. They had solar panels. They, they cultivated water from Lake Mead nearby. At one point, the NCR, and a bunch of people have tried to make contact with the boomers, but the NCR saw this and was like, mm, that should be our water. We should be able to get something out of this. The NCR tried to shut off their water and the boomers bombed the East Vegas water supply. The NCR quickly reversed the shutoff. And after that, no one really tried to contact them. It's, it's very much the, I have the, the biggest gun in the room, leave me alone. I do not want to be spoken to. I don't want you near me. I don't like you. You look funny. Your feet stink. Just, just, ah, ah, I aspire to be that much, that close to, to Bukowski. One of the elders, a man by the name of Loyal, found a file on a B-29 bomber that had crashed in Lake Mead. You can ask Pete about it, the courier can say, how did you learn where to find an old bomber? Pete re replies with, Loyal found a file somewhere in the base with magazine articles, photographs, a map even. It seems that a bomber, apparently the 29th of its kind, crashed in Lake Mead on July 21st, 1948. Just imagine that. Over 300 years ago, the photograph showed that it was basically intact, and the map tells us exactly where to find it, except we haven't left Nellis for decades. They have a pre-war simulation so they can learn how to fly. And they believe that they know, and depending on which ending of the game you do if they're on your side, they know how to fly aircraft. The courier can ask, how has Nellis taught people how to fly? And Pete can say, once we restored power, we learned that some elaborate chairs we'd been sleeping in were actually virtual reality simulators. We believe they were put here to train combat pilots. We use them extensively. I alone have shot down over 500 Chinese Xi'an 85 fighters. Before you ask, I'm afraid there's no way you could be allowed to use the simulator. They are for us and us only. I'm sorry. Now, this bomber that they know about being in Lake Mead becomes their entire goal. Be it their own xenophobia. Maybe they don't want to leave because they're afraid of the outside world. They don't want to talk to people... If you don't talk to other people other than your own kind, your own kin, your own family, your own community for a while, you forget how to talk to other people. You get used to the idiosyncratic nature of just being around other people. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're – it's not even that they can't because they could go get it. It's I think they're just scared. But this, this bomber that's in Lake Mead becomes their entire focus. The only thing that they, they – they, wake up and think about they go to bed and think about like the thing that they want is this bomber and that's not even really a problem they thrive in this in 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 their own little world now this the bomber and a hive of giant ants infest the generator and ammunitions bunker these are the really only two these are the real only two problems they have that and you have to repair their solar panels but still there's not really that much of a problem going on with them 
because of the ammunition room, the excuse me, the ammunition bunker, the ants infesting that, it made them explosive. All of this happens just days before the courier arrives. Raquel, the master at arms, leads a strike to attack and take care of the giant ants, but she loses two bombers and three people are injured. The courier is the first person in decades to get anywhere near these people. House has tried through the three families. The NCR has tried, like I said previously, and the Legion has tried, but everyone kind of just backed off. Now, Mother Pearl, the leader, quote-unquote leader, they don't really have... I'll get, to, I'll get to it in a second. They have a structure, but it's very loose. The leader of the boomers very much says that she foresaw somebody getting to the gates and coming in and helping them and being a boon to the community. The entire philosophy comes from the belief that a personal assortment of weapons is the foundation of social trust. Some of the younger boomers even believe that freedom is making any kind of explosion and the bigger, the better. All of this built with the want to find the bomber in Lake Mead has built almost like a pseudo-religion that's formed within them, the belief to find this bomber. Now, the only real power structure they have is based on elders. And an elder is based on experience, wisdom, and age. Like, Argyle is a trained, is a, is a talented doctor. Loyal is a, a, a mechanic, the most competent, most reliable mechanic. Raquel, the master at arms, is the security, the leader of security. Once you prove that you can do something, you're given the title of elder, it's... It's an agreed-upon thing, but it's not like, hey, I'm the elder of security, so I'm going to talk on the guy who's going to talk about mechanics or the doctor or anybody else. It's, it's very much, I know what I'm talking about. Shut up. They're all trained from such a very young age to be resourceful. Uh, all of the children are taught that they need to learn how to defend themselves and the tribe. They're taught, you could say to one of the boomer teachers, uh, the courier can say, good to hear. The wasteland has no place for children. And the teachers say, I agree. That is why we do everything we can to teach the children from birth to defend themselves and serve the tribe. And the courier can say, what happens when they come of age when they can defend themselves? The teacher can also say, all of us are trained in combat and farming from a very early age. When we reach adulthood, we survive in whatever capacity we are best suited. And what I love about them is that they all were vault dwellers at one point in time. So they all have vault suits. But now they're equipped with flight jackets and they have patches on them. And the 34s are re-sewn on to different suits. And they're reused. And I love the reuse, reduce, recycle of them. I love the look of it. But I also love how they're just incorporating the old with the new. It's, it's kind of what I expect, like, the Bronze Age to have looked like. Everyone still has, like, stone tools. But, like... Some people have bronze, like some people have, like I, I, I like the assimilation into the world and them trying to blend in. They all have pit boys. They took the 34s off the vault suit to embroider it into the jackets so they wouldn't forget where they came from. And, and they just have no association whatsoever to the outside world. And they, they don't have to. Now, inside of their museum, where Pete can tell you all about it, I want to read this part directly off the wiki. If it's not on screen already from me maybe doing the quest, I'll put a picture of it in the corner so you can see it, or maybe the top or something. The left part represents the boomers emerging from the vault, exterminating the savages they encounter with frag mines and grenades. 
The middle section, which represents the current state of the boomers, show their discovery of the Air Force Base. There they, there, they prospered, multiplied, and kept the savages from distance with the artillery they have. The bubble above the small pods next to the artillery is them, is them flying flight simulations to train to fly the bomber. The rightmost section represents the boomer's future where they hope to unleash high explosive ordnance upon ignorant savages with the bomber they hope to restore. As you can imagine, these are people that are trained in guns, that teach their kids how to use guns, that teach their kids how to be self-sufficient. So they have a military. It's incredibly small but incredibly efficient, consisting of basic guards, mortar teams, the master at arms Raquel, and an elder. Now, if the courier chooses to help them in their quest finding the crash B-29 bomber from Lake Mead, they do add it to their arsenal, making them one of the few factions in the wasteland with functioning air power. Them... The Enclave for a spell, and some of the Brotherhood. And they also have a ton of robots, Mr. Gutsies, at their disposal that they can use. Like I stated previously, they have the ability to make their own vegetables and grow their own crops. They also have solar panels, and they get all their water from Lake Mead. But they also have a biodiesel refinery located inside of the base that uses surplus crops, like maize, to make biodiesel. They use legumes for protein and soy for protein. Because they're on a base and they're incredibly good with their hands and they know what they're doing when it comes to weaponry, they can make ammunition on site. So they just have as much as they need. For repair manufacturing, they have advanced tools like welding torches and plasma cutters. They have enough missiles to last the next five years without any sort of replenishment. They have a surplus of everything except for spare parts. If you ask the courier, where should I look for spare, par spare parts? Loyal goes, ha, if we had spare parts, do you think I'd be asking you to fix the damn thing? That's rich. No, we ran out of spare parts a while back, and Jack and I have been doing our best to patch the arrays up as best as we can. Sadly, we're, all, we're at a wit's end. There have to be spare parts somewhere around the wasteland, but I just don't know where to direct you. You may have noticed, we don't get out much. These are people armed with missile launchers, grenade launchers, fat men, pit-boys, pit-boys, pit-boys. They're the closest thing to a smartphone in the wasteland. Now, if the boomers like you and you have a good rep with them, they will ask you to, one, help them with the, the, the bomber in, in Lake Mead, but then they also will help you whatever side you want in bombing the opposite side for the Battle of Hoover Dam. Even though you're the first person, the courier is the first person to get in their base, you can find NCR currency in the solar energy generator building on the Nellis Air Force Base. The boomers can comment certain things depending on certain companions that have, depending on certain companions you have. While having Veronica Santagello as a companion, a boomer will sometimes say, I can spot a Brotherhood spy from a thousand yards, even the cute ones. If you have Raul as a companion, a boomer will say sometimes, never seen a ghoul this close up before, not sure I've ever wanted to. And if you have Eddie as a companion, boomers, and even the Mr. Gutsies might say, I can take care of a robot problem for you, just saying. Or, did you know you have a robot following you? If, a, if the boomers turn hostile, even if you complete their quest or are idolized with them, they will never not be hostile towards you it's really all i have on the boomers they're a group that i really really love a group that i remember finding them and talking to my friends about it and be like did you meet the crazy people with cannons yet 
and how do you get past the crazy people with the cannons? And what do I do once I'm inside the crazy people with the cannons base? There are a group of people that I just, I just like. I like the idea that if you stick to yourself and your 30 best friends, you'll live forever. It's just, it's, it's like, it's like reassuring. I once heard from uh, sci- fantasist writer Harlan Ellison that's dystopian future is hopeful no matter what happens at the end of the day there's still a future and i and i like that and i like that with them there's a future for them no matter if they think the answer to everything is to bomb everything out of their way just get it gone i want it out of my sight it's not my brothers in arms but i hope you guys enjoy that this is this week's lore hey everybody welcome to segment three the third segment part three how you guys been what are you doing this weekend? How's everybody doing? What's going on? I'm going to go see Barbie on Friday. I know. Why the hell would, would I go to see that, you ask? I collect toys. And I feel like a lot of toys that I like, honestly, even Funko Pops, which I'm indifferent on. A lot of people don't like Funko Pops, but I do. I like some of them. I have a couple Pokemon ones. I have... Um, I bought a, the, the retro Chuck E. Cheese, which the retro Chuck E. Cheese does not seem retro to me. That's the one I grew up with. It's the one from the 90s. But I feel like toys are just so important to us. I didn't really play with toys as a kid, but like now I collect them. Like now I want them. Now I like have shelves. I have a Godzilla shelf. I have a Fallout shelf. I have a Sesame Street shelf. Cap- Captain Lennox in the chat. When I was young, I thought all dolls were creepy. Now... It's still, now still, just baby dolls. I'm with you. I always thought baby dolls were weird. I never understood why we had to teach young girls from a very young age take care of this thing. (laughs) Here's the only thing you're going to be useful for. Learn how to take care of this thing. I I also just think, like, having a a pseudo-baby in the corner isn't, isn't exactly what I would want, just in general. I actually had a really scary dream as a kid. My sister had this, I guess it was a for real friend. If anybody remembers this, it was a panda. It was a, it was a panda that like would would come alive, and I forget what its thing's name was. I think it was Sawyer. She named it, and she was and like the doll came to life in this dream. I remember to this day, and the story's like and the doll's like Sawyer wants murder and kill, and like I remember being scared in the dream and like hiding under the blankets and having the pillow over my head. And like peeking out to see it. And this thing was just there. I, I, It got so creepy this thing. Like my sister was afraid of it. I was afraid of it. That my mom like put it in the closet. And it would periodically just turn on. Cap says they were always more of a fake kitchen kind of kid. I, I get that. I get that. I, I always loved cooking too. <laughs> as a kid. But I just. I don't know. I remember like asking for toys for Christmas. And getting them. And then never playing with them. Like, it was cool that I had them. And now I have a shelf of just toys that I look at. I think I like little things about the trailer I've seen from the Barbie movie. Like uh, her, her, her feet are always in like an arch position. Like she's going to put heels on. I think that's just a nice little thing that they added. The way Barbie like comes down off of the top of the house and the house is all open like a, you know, like a Malibu Barbie dream house. The way the dialogue is written, like, there's a, the one trailer, Ken's like, hey, Barbie, you know how we're, like, boyfriend-girlfriend? Maybe I should, like, come over for a sleepover. And Barbie's like, yeah, sure, why would you want to do that? And he's like, I don't really know how to sleep over. And she's like, okay, be over whenever. Like, 
it's it's so fake. Also, Will Ferrell's in this, and I'm not like the biggest Will Ferrell guy, but I feel like he was in everything, and then out of nowhere, he was in nothing, and I want to see him again. I think the last thing I can remember him in was the Lego movie, the first Lego movie. I want to see that, and that's my thing. Is like, do I see that, and then immediately go see Oppenheimer? Because I kind of know, I kind of know what's going to happen in Oppenheimer. Like, spoiler alert: Japan gets nuked, <laughs> but. Oppenheimer is a movie I want to see at an IMAX. I want to see a film. I like I want to see this film. This is a picture. Like the the reel for Oppenheimer is 11 miles long and weighs like 6 or 700 pounds. You need 3 people to pick this thing up to put it on the projection reel. I I very much would like to see this in an IMAX, a big like like widescreen IMAX where I'm going to pay $20 a ticket and I'm going to pay $25 to watch a 3-hour movie about smoking cigarettes in the 40s and justifying genocide on a mass scale. And I just hope it, I I really want to see how it feels. I want to see if it does justice. If it, I just don't want to, like, everyone knows the Oppenheimer, I am become death destroyer of worlds. Like, why did you say it that way? Is that from something? Maybe, who knows? You didn't have to say it like an asshole. (laughs) I, I'm very excited to see that. I'm thinking about maybe doing a burner like movie review with Kyle. I got to ask him before I even say this, but I'd like to do something where it's like, hey, you saw Oppenheimer. I saw Oppenheimer. Let's review it, but we can't watch it again at home because it's only in the theater. Let's, let's just see it in the theater separately, come back and talk about it. No notes. Sit down and just say what we have to say. I think that would be a fun little experiment for, the, for me at least. But also, it's dealing with like the fact that the Fallout games exist in some weird butterfly effect-ass way is because of Oppenheimer and Einstein and Project Manhattan. And I very much want to see how that's... I'm not a big Christopher Nolan guy. Uh, I actually, to be completely honest with you, I kind of hate Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan does not understand Batman and just thought Batman is like a macho playboy who has sex with supermodels and then hates a clown. And there's no nuance to Christopher Nolan's Batman. Uh, I I hate it. Like, I vehemently hate it. Uh, There's videos. I don't know where they are. I lie. I know exactly where they are, but I'm not telling you where they are. Of me in, like, high school. No, I was in eighth grade. God damn! Those videos are old. It's me and it's the summer uh, from eighth grade to my freshman year of high school, my first year of high school, my uh, grade nine, if you will, secondary school, because it was the year I hurt my knee for the first time. Knock on wood, but it doesn't happen again. Um, It was the year that I hurt my knee, and I remember being like laid up at home, and nobody bothered me while everyone went to work in the summer because I hurt my knee and I remember I had some friends who were like hey we're gonna go see Batman you want to go I'm like absolutely I want to go see it and I remember seeing that third Batman movie and being pissed being like nobody understands this why would Robin's real name be Robin I'm spoiling this movie it's well over 10 years I don't understand why uh Talia would wind up being the bad guy is he dead is he not what's going like just just totally not understanding the character. And also, I'm Heath Ledger's Joker sucks. I'm just going to say it. 
I'm sorry, I know he's dead. Heath Ledger's Joker is not good. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is ten times better, and honestly, it's, it doesn't hold a candle anywhere near to Mark Hamill. I hate... I'm going to try not to rant any much longer about these Batman movies, but I hate those Batman movies. There's no nuance there. It's just... And then the Joker going... And then Bane like, oh, Batman. Oh, yes, take off my mask. Yes, spit in my mouth, Batman. Like, they're just, I hate them. I, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. Yeah, cup on face Bane, pretty much. Just, 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 Bane, Bane is one of the bad guys that is actually, like, as smart as Batman, if not smarter. And that was, like, half the thing about Bane as a character, is he was the first character that didn't just get to Bruce, didn't just get to Batman. He didn't just get to Batman, he got to Bruce. Because he breaks Batman's back, but he was also smarter than Bat. He was smarter than Bruce. Anyway, I need to, like, get out of here. Hold on. Sorry. I don't like Christopher Nolan. So I'm going into Oppenheimer already knowing that I don't like Chris Nolan movies. Because of what he's done to Batman. And I think because this is something else that I love. Like, I love Batman. Hopefully it won't be as bad. But who knows, dog? Who knows? I have high hopes for it, though. It's a three-hour movie. Josh Peck is in it. I don't know why, but I'd like to see what he's doing. Oh, Batman. Oh, ba You can't even see me, and I put my hand over my mouth to do the Bane voice. Oh, Batman. I grew up in the darkness. Oh, the darkness, Batman. Oh, yes, Batman. Eat my ass, Batman. Bend me over, Batman. Why? That's all I have for you this week. I hope you've enjoyed... Uh, my name has been Vince. This has been Atomic Radio Hour. I hope you liked today's episode. Like I said, my name is Vince. This has been Atomic Radio Hour. Uh, consider giving to the Patreon. There's a link in the description below. But if you like the intro music to the show, it is by the one and only Shane Ivers. You can get all of his music at silvermansounds.com slash free music, where you can get the intro song Feather Duster or any one of his free heaters there. Again, thank you to the, to the Patreon. I love you. Because of you, the show gets a little bit bigger, a little bit better. There's also a link to the Redbubble where you can buy a little bit of merch, help support the show, share this with a friend. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're going to go see a movie. I hope you're going to go enjoy yourself. I hope you're looking good. I hope you're feeling good. I hope you're doing A-okay. I love you very much, and I'll be seeing you next week. Bye, everybody. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Gulman Entertainment.